0: Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips, and please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. So I'm looking forward today to bringing you a career story of Wendy Tangi. Wendy is the co-founder of We Accounting, a chartered accounting firm based in New Zealand and Samoa. We Accounting's vision is to ensure the sustainability and growth of small and medium enterprises, as this creates thriving families and communities, especially for Māori and Pacifica. Wendy has steadily grown the business and is proud to have helped hundreds of clients in New Zealand and around the world. She's always had a strong focus in her career on people, having spent the early years of her career in retail before spending a number of years with ASB. Wendy also has significant involvement in charitable and governance work, which I'm looking forward to hearing more about today. And alongside this and running her business, she's also a mother of five and a keen sports person. And I understand she even holds a black belt in karate. I can't wait to hear the story of Wendy's career journey and maybe also some tips about how she fits into everything into her own life. Kia ora, Wendy, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, wow. You hear then? and I think, oh, gosh, I have done a lot. Yes, exactly. Honestly, that was when I, you know, kind of read your, your bio. I just thought, oh, my goodness, how on earth do you fit it all in? Have you kind of come up with some magical potion that means you don't have to sleep at night? But anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about how you fit it in and maybe I can get some advice as well as we go. But before we start that, I'd like to go a little a little way back to maybe when you were a child or a teenager and you were starting to have some thoughts about what you might like to do with your life. And I'm wondering what, what careers at that stage did you aspire to?
1: Yeah, so I think when I was very little, I remember that I used to play two things and I used to, so I'm the oldest of three. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. And I used to make them play schools with me and I was the teacher. And I used to play shops with them and I was the shopkeeper. And then anytime we'd play Monopoly, I was the banker. So um, I think I've kind of just, always just wanted to be in some kind of leadership type role. And uh, yeah, I thought when I finished up at high school, I thought I wanted to be a teacher because that's what I used to do when I was little. But actually, I went to Teachers College and I was in my last year of Teachers College and I had my first son and uh, I was 21 when I had him and much to my parents' disgust, uh, you know, I I left Teachers College and um, I did try to go back, but I found it extremely difficult to juggle a son and what was actually not really a very healthy relationship that I was in. And um, so, yes, I ended up in retail because I just wanted a job, really. But I also realised that teaching wasn't really my thing in that way. I didn't really want to teach primary school children. I decided that one child was more than enough to handle. And I didn't really want to be looking after a bunch of other people's children. But for me, it was mostly about the accountability to a system and having to be confined, what what I, what I felt was being quite confined to a curriculum that I had to teach in a way that, you know, I had to teach it that, and I'm a little bit outside the box and I like to think of things a lot differently and I didn't really like the constraints of that. So I realized that teaching in that kind of capacity wasn't for me. So I went into retail. I actually started selling Tupperware. So early on, basically ran my own business, did my own party planning, um, had to learn how to sort of market and handle money. And I quite enjoyed that. And what I really liked about that was that I was in charge of how much money I could make. So it was like, okay, if I just sell, you know, have more parties and sell more product, then I'm going to make more money. And I think that that sort of was one of the things that started me off on an entrepreneurial journey. And My dad was also in business too, and I liked the fact that he could come and watch me in my sports. He traveled around the country with me. Um, He invested a lot of time and a lot of money into me and my sports, particularly at that time, I was quite a good cyclist. And I guess when I got a little bit older and I started to form a family, I realized that I wanted to spend more time with my children. So yeah, going to business just seemed kind of right for me. But yeah, I started in retail and then I got um, headhunted by ASB to go and work for them and uh, worked my way up the ladder until I finally decided actually I'm going to go off on my own into business. So yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting steps along the way.
0: Really interesting journey and really interesting to hear kind of those early days, even with your siblings, you know, kind of playing Monopoly and the, the roles that you played then, but equally that sort of early foray into teaching and into maybe that sort of systems Approach and actually, those early thoughts around actually, maybe, maybe I want to do more my own thing. And it sounds like it, you know, it was a bit of a journey to get there. But I'm sure there were probably lots of lots of learnings along the way. It took me about yeah, so many things. Yeah, what was kind of the catalyst then for for deciding yes, I'm going to make the leap? Or in some cases, a lot of I know a lot of people perceive it to be quite a risk to to then open your own business.
1: Yeah, so I've been, i been I'd probably spent from my early 20s thinking about what sort of business I wanted to run and what I wanted to do and I was never really sure and so my sister was quite creative and she made earrings and I thought oh I could do something like that but um, that really wasn't my thing, not that big into fashion but um, yeah I wasn't really sure and I was trying to think you know what am I good at, what What can I do? And um, it just happened by chance, really, actually. My husband, uh, he's an accountant and he became a chartered accountant. And I thought, you know what? I can just pump my husband out mm-hmm. and we can start an accounting business and then I will be in business for myself. And so that's basically what happened. I I said to him, hey, look, I want to start this business. And he said, no way. No, 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 no way. I don't want to go into business, he said you know, quite happy doing what we're doing. And Mm. at the time we were on some pretty good salaries and, you know, life was pretty good. We're able to save some money and, um, you know, he's not as flamboyant as I am in that way. And, um, you know, so I kind of begged, he said, okay, look, let me have a look. So being an accountant, he as he sat down and he Did all of the numbers and he had a look at what it might look like. And then he finally came back to me and said, Okay, look, yeah, I think we can actually do this. So, to start with, he was in the business himself. We were going to look at buying a franchise and I was totally against it. But Ali really wanted to do that. I think he wanted the safety of someone else doing some marketing and us having a brand behind us because. Mm. Uh, he'd come from auditing, so we weren't able to take any of his clients. We literally were starting from nothing. And um, all we had was his his accounting knowledge and the fact that we had some savings to get us through. Uh, he did the numbers and we didn't actually get the loan. We'd applied for a loan to pay for the, um, to buy the franchise and we didn't get it. And I'm actually really grateful. And so is he that we didn't, because what it meant was that we could build a brand that was really around us and we could be in charge of what we wanted to do and we weren't restricted by somebody else and, um, you know, their vision and what their brand looked like. And it's actually worked out a whole lot better for us. So, yeah, in the first six months, I continued to work at the ASB, which was great. Um, it still brought an income, so I was able to help us to survive while he grew the business. Mm. Um. But I found out that I was pregnant just after we made the decision. So literally six months in, I left ASB to go on maternity leave um, to work in the business to help out. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I haven't left yet. So, um, and in fact, now I'm running the show. So you know, Ali and I are very much partners. I guess I push a lot of the the things that we do, and yeah, have really helped us to grow to where we are now.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things you can never necessarily time when children come. And sometimes, as you say, it can bring you on a, on a slightly different path, but a path that works out well in the end. What have been some of the, I guess, the, the biggest challenges that maybe you face, whether it was earlier in your career or, or since running a business?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, because I'm also a Māori woman, <laughs> I probably face a lot of other different types of challenges. um, And also because I'm not an accountant and I own an accounting Mm. business. And so, and I struggled to be taken seriously in the beginning of us starting a business. Although I was very much an owner of the business as well, people would ask me if I'm still working for my husband mm. <laughs> in my husband's business. And I'm like, hold on a going I own this business too. So, mm. you know, that was a bit of a struggle being in the shadow of my husband. And yeah, I did feel that in the beginning. It's quite different now. You know, obviously I've, I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot, but I did feel like, oh, you know, this is not mine. Am I good enough? I went through all of that because I, you know, I I don't have, I didn't finish my teaching degree. I don't have any letters after my name. You know, I don't have a certificate sitting on the wall that's collecting dust. So I had to spend a lot of time getting coached and helped through that and to see that I bring something to the table that you cannot get from a degree or, you know, any other sort of certification other than the fact that I have experience and knowledge and I've been able to grow a business and I've, you know, and we are, you know, we're doing really well. So uh, yeah, I bring something quite different to the table. So I think that was probably a lot of my challenges in, in the beginning mm-hmm. and then about three years ago, I'm not sure if you're aware, but three years ago um, was quite a challenging year for me in 2017. So I lost my dad, Mm. who um, was very influential in my life. Um, I lost my grandfather, who was uh, Māori, and I was on my journey to learning more about who I was as a Māori woman. So that was yeah, that was really tough too. And then um, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So all within six months, I lost two people that were dear to me and started started a breast cancer battle. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was probably quite hard as well. But I learned so much and I'm so grateful actually for for that time and what it did teach me about who I am as a person and what I want to achieve in life and what my purpose is for being here. And since then, yeah, I've just personally, I've grown in leaps and bounds and our company has grown in leaps and bounds. So, you know, I've learned to see the, um, the positives in the challenges that we face in life. And, you know, I've had lots of other personal challenges, <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are some of the most significant, I would say. Um, that have happened yeah, most recently.
0: Mm. And I'm um, yeah, really sorry to hear about the loss of your dad and your grandfather, mm. and I hope that your health is, is <laughs> good now. And with that, when you talked then about going through that tough time actually helped you see more what your purpose was and, and mm. how you kind of wanted to be as a person. I'm curious, what what did come out of that? What did you then feel that your purpose was?
1: Yes, I've I've always
0: known that
1: I was put on this planet for a reason because I believe everybody is here for a reason. And what my dad and my granddad taught me um, in their deaths was living with fulfilment and not living with fulfilment. So my grandfather, yes, he was older, but his life was filled with so much joy and purpose. And when we had his funeral, you know, people came by the hundreds. I mean, you know, he's a Māori man, so obviously mm. there's not. lot, but, you know, was a teacher and he influenced so many people. And I just reflected on and I thought, well, this is why he's such a happy person because he really is living fulfilled and I'd heard so many stories. And someone had, um, before he be- became a teacher, he was a taxi driver and he was fluent in Reo Māori, really passionate. And someone said to him, you wasting your talents, you know, you, you shouldn't be a taxi driver, you know, you need to be going doing something else with your talents and that's when he decided to become a teacher. So that was really inspiring for me and then when I saw my dad die, my dad's mum had died very young of breast cancer and he was still a teenager and so he didn't get to finish school, he was very intelligent and had to go work and help look after his family and, and lots of different things but uh he spent a lot of his life looking at the things that he didn't achieve and thinking about what he could have done Mm. and so between the two of them i thought you know what i don't want to live a life that's not fulfilled i want to really understand why i am here and i want to just go out and do it because so i have a a genetic mutation which gives me a higher chance of getting cancer again and i and i did i got cancer again last year but i mean it's gone Mm. again now but for me, I'm just like, you know, I don't know how long I've got here. Nobody knows how long they've got here. So it's just about me utilizing the time that I've got. And I think, um, and you might ask me about it later, but when we talk about work-life balance and stuff like that, I really now only, or I try to as much as possible spend time doing, doing the things that I really love doing with the people that I really love, because I just think, well, there's not enough time in the day you know and you just don't know how long you're here for so I'm not going to spend it doing things that I don't like or people that I don't like I'm just going to be absolutely fulfilled and so yeah so I went on a bit of a journey and realized that my my purpose in life is to help change the poor statistics for our Māori and Pacifica people particularly in Aotearoa but just globally and I think that once I feel that I've done a good job there, then I'll probably extend that out to indigenous people. But that stems from growing up and just some of the challenges I face as a Māori woman, and people having an expectation of me, so or a lack of expectations of me. So my dad had very high expectations of me. But so often in my life, you know, I was told that Māori were dirty, Māori were uneducated, that we were dumb, that we wouldn't amount to anything. When I fell pregnant at the age of 20 and had my baby at 21, I was told that it was like the worst thing in the world and that I'd completely ruined my life, that I wasn't going to amount to anything. And there was another point in my life where I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to just be one of these statistics that everybody is expecting of me. I mean, you look at the statistics for Māori women, you know, you'd expect that I'm a smoker, I've never smoked. Well, probably had the odd one when I was drinking <laughs> back in my early 20s, <laughs> but you know, like I haven't been a smoker, um, I'm really hardworking. I've got a high school degree, I'm mean, a high school um, qualification, you know, I finished high school and all those sorts of things. I don't have a degree. There's so many things about me that just don't fit into the box that people were trying to put me into. And so I just think, you know, I'm going to help other people who are also thrown into these boxes to see that they don't have to stay in these boxes. And I think that if we can be role models to our rangatahi, you know, to our youth, then they can also see that they don't have to sit inside these boxes too. So I'm trying to create a ripple effect of you know, role models and people speaking out and saying, you know, what it is that they're doing and showing them that also they don't have to be just all blacks because that's sometimes what we think Marty are too. Um, but, you know, if you can be whatever you want to be and you can amount to more than what you've ever dreamed. And um, I guess it's one of the things I love that you're doing this podcast is, you know, women are the same. We, you know, as a woman, you know, Obviously, our pay you know pay rates are lower than yen and all sorts of different things were looked upon differently. People think that we should be cooking and cleaning, as well as being career driven and looking after the kids. And I just think rubbish to all of that. And I'm quite happy to prove everybody wrong. So, so yeah, so that's kind of what came out of quite a stressful six months. Um, a whole lot of gratitude for being on this planet and for the work that I get to do and um, the role that I get to play while I while I'm here. Hmm.
0: I'm a little bit lost for words with that, just from, in a really good way, just for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, just that wonderful mission that you can kind of feel bubbling up inside of you to do something, to change the narrative, to make things better for others, that you can just sort of see kind of that fire in your belly kind of coming through but also recognising all the, all the barriers that you have had to overcome in some ways to get to this point. You know, obviously you did have a, a dad who really believed in you and wanted you to achieve highly, but some of the discrimination and the obstacles that you faced along the way, that is, that is really tough. And, well, I mean, well done on you for kind of not 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 believing that of yourself and overcoming it and, and seeing actually, you know, this this is what I'm here to do and this is how I can be the best possible self I can be. I'm in full full awe, Wendy. Thank you for sharing that. That's
1: all right. Thanks, Anna. I mean, I think that I really have a belief that everything happens for a reason. You hear the saying and you think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I really truly believe that. And I think it's just the perception of the challenge. So how do you see what's happening to you? And, um, you know, I believe that all of the challenges that I've faced have just made me a stronger person, have given me a different perspective and have helped me to become, you know, the person that I am. And so when people ask, you know, is there anything that you regret in life? I don't regret anything. And I've had, you know, (laughs) some pretty... You know, not so great things happened in my life, but um, you know, I just think you know, if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have gotten this perspective. I wouldn't have learnt this. I wouldn't be able to cope with things a lot different, um, different, a lot more differently than I am now. So, you know, that time that I had in those six months, you know, this, I can with you know sustain, uh, sustain a whole lot more now. Like I can hold on to my own in a lot more difficult uh, situations because I've been through it. So. I, I see the
0: gratitude and,
1: and the challenges. So it's I think it's just the way that we look at it. That's mm. uh, so
0: definitely a, a good perspective to have is in terms of actually it's it's our mindset, our approach, our attitude to it that can mm. make a big difference. And can I ask Wendy, what what do you love about your current work?
1: What I love about my current work is being able to help other people to achieve their goals. Mm. That's the most um, rewarding for me. So just the other day, actually, when Commercial Bay opened up, one of our clients opened up his second branch in there. And just to give you a little bit of a backstory, I started coaching him at the beginning of last year, and he said that he wanted to have a second store in... um, in Commercial Bay at some stage and his plan was within five years and the work that we did together and how hard he worked and yeah I pushed him but you know he worked really hard and he was able to do that in like 16 months and we went and saw him in the opening and he was really shocked and surprised but it literally brought tears to my eyes because I thought wow you know I've not only had an impact on this guy, but his staff is saying, hey, you're the accountant we keep hearing about. He yeah. loves you guys. And I'm like, that's really cool. So, you know, and he's sharing what I'm teaching him with his staff and with his children and with anyone else that will kind of listen that he has an impact on. So for me, it's that. It's been, it's knowing that I'm not just helping one person. I'm actually, it's having a ripple effect and he's able to help people. And how cool is that? Like people love it when they can help people. And so I'm giving him some tools that he can use to help other people, which also makes him feel
0: great too. So that is the best thing about what I do at the moment. Wonderful and lovely to see that as you describe it, that ripple effect actually in action. It's fantastic. And you talked briefly before about balance and about actually, you know, part of that for you is doing things you love and um, spending time with the people that you love. How else do you, you know, you you at the same time have a very busy, full life. How do you find balance for, for yourself in particular? Yes. I don't actually, I don't believe in work-life balance. I, mm. I kind
1: of call it work-life integration. Mm. Um, I mean, my son goes to school across the road from my office. He comes in at three o'clock and I'm still working, but you know, he gets to hang around and do whatever, and he hangs out with the staff if they're here and all those sorts of things. So there's definitely a crossover between the both. After I got diagnosed with breast cancer, I started working with a coach who does a method called the Martini Method. So it's done by Dr. John Martini, And one of the things that he talks about are your values, which is like a set of priorities in your life. And so I discovered what was most important to me. So business is definitely high on my values. It's something that I love and am passionate about. My children and my family, my husband are high, and my personal development. So when I said that I do the things that I love with those I love most, I try to spend as much of my time working in those areas. And so when I am invited onto boards or, um, you know, do any sort of extracurricular type things, I think is that something that sits inside of my values and is that going to help me to fulfill my purpose in life? And if I can say yes to that, then I'll find the energy and the time to do it because it fulfills me. Um, if I say no to that, then it's like, okay, the answer is no. I, I won't give my time and my energy to that. Um, it'll probably actually take away energy and I don't have energy to give away. So I try to do things that inspire me and energize me and then, Like I said, you can find the time for anything that does those things. So, you know, over the time I've been on boards and I've had to say, actually, you know what, this isn't fulfilling me anymore. I am going to have to step off this one. And, uh, I mean, for me, sometimes work comes first. Sometimes my kids have to take a back seat. Uh, That's been quite a struggle for me too because I know that society Says that mums should be there for their children and they, should, you know, children should be the number one priority for mums. And, you know, some of the times they are, and some of the times my kids are not. Sometimes I've, you know, I've got to work or I want to work. I choose to go and do things that are going to inspire and uplift other people rather than than my children. But then sometimes I'm like totally there 100% with my kids and work takes a back seat. So I think that just depends on where my energy needs to be at the time and the impact that I can make Um, but it's always yeah I find that it's always anything that's going to energise me I can be up till 10 11 o'clock at night and I'll still be like bouncing off the walls excited I get up early as in the morning and drop my son off to rugby practice because you know I know that that's going to help him and that fulfills me so yeah as long as I'm being fulfilled like I said you'll find the time but if it's draining you, get rid of it, that's my that's my thing. If it's not giving you energy, stop doing it, mm. Find something else to do, that gives you energy.
0: And I like the way you talk about it in terms of I think often we get caught up in the amount of time we spend doing things, but actually having that lens on it of energy as well is is mm-hmm. so important, because actually yeah. if you do more energising things, actually you'll probably have more energy to do other stuff that you enjoy whereas if you spend your time as you say doing draining stuff well that, that, then you end up more depleted so um, yeah great model and I like that idea of integration and you know it's also it's interesting you know I'm I'm a mum as well I've got three kids and that the, the piece that you talked around arounds, you know it, it can feel tricky or you have sometimes have that guilt around or oh, you know should I be spending more time more energy with with my kids And I often talk about that concept of you know you hop on a plane and you put you get told in the safety briefing put your own oxygen mask on first. so Absolutely. by doing the thing that en- you know, energizes you actually that will give you um, more energy for everybody else around you that, that needs you to be there.
1: Yeah, totally. I also think what am I teaching my kids mm-hmm. if I drop everything for them all of the time? Am I teaching them that when they become adults, they're not allowed to fulfill what they want in life too, that they have to drop everything for their children as well? And also, because I've got all boys, so I've got five sons. Mm. I also think, well, actually, I don't want you going into a marriage or a relationship thinking that your wife or your partner is going to do everything for you, race around after the kids, cook and clean for you, like, I want your wives to know and understand that you support them as well in anything that they choose to do. So yes, it's a little bit, uh, selfish. Well, you can say it's selfish. I don't think it's selfish. It's just me looking after me, like you said, putting my own mask on myself. And I'm also teaching them that, Hey, this is a new age, mate. You guys get up, you guys clean and cook too. Um, you know, this is about a collaboration. It's a partnership. Uh, I don't sit here and look after you guys. And, we had a bit of a, I had a bit of a session over, um, the lockdown period with COVID and I started to feel quite guilty that my kids were on their devices pretty much the whole of lockdown mm. and I just worked because we're accountants we were working long hard hours trying to help our clients to stay afloat and I did feel guilty you know I was like oh looking on Facebook at all of the people who are baking and cooking and going out to the park and walking twice a day with their kids and I'm like oh I should be doing that too and then I thought actually you what my son's really happy that he's sitting on the playstation right now and that his mother's not harassing him to go do this that and everything else and expecting him to go out to a park when all he wants to do is catch up with his mates online play playstation and for me to leave him alone and my little guy he's just the same so you know like well you know what actually as long as you guys get your schoolwork done if you're happy i'm happy so let's just leave it at that so yeah i think sometimes we put expectations even on our kids who don't probably actually care that we're not spending that much time or we're not doing this, that or everything else. So sometimes I think we're a bit hard on ourselves. We don't really need to be.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely feel that. And I've got three boys myself. So I'm with you <laughs> in terms of, of the role model. I don't always do a brilliant job at it. Sometimes it's easier just to, you know, pick up their pyjamas off the floor. But uh, but you're right in terms of that, that, the the future and partnerships that they might create and being there. Wendy, I wanted to ask, where do you see your career heading in the the future? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, Where do I see my
1: career? I'm not 100% sure. To be honest, I know that whatever I'll be doing will be fulfilling my purpose. Uh, I did envisage that I would be overseas a lot more. I love to travel, so that is high on my values list as well, which Mm. I'm struggling with at the moment Mm because I can't travel overseas. so I would like to think that I'm going to be inspiring more indigenous people, so, um, or even Māori and Pacifica people worldwide. So getting out and talking to people in different countries and helping to inspire and grow communities overseas. You know, a lot of people think about retirement and, you know, they talk about what they're gonna do when they retire. I don't actually know that I will completely retire. Because, like I said, I think I'm here for a reason. So I might not work as much, but I'll definitely be still doing what I'm doing in some kind of capacity. I'd like to have more WE accountings or we're looking at changing the name because we're not really just accountants, we're more advisory and I, I do a lot of coaching. So, But yeah, you know, we'd like to take WE globally at some stage and whether that's just online or um, obviously with the new COVID and everything that's been going on or whether that's uh, you know physical office spaces We're not not 100% sure yet, but probably sitting on some boards and helping to change the way some people think about Māori, about business, changing mindsets around money, because I know that there's um, a lack of knowledge out there around financial literacy, so I'd like to be educating more around those sorts of things. Um, and getting more people, particularly Māori and Pacifica people, into business and generating wealth for themselves. Yeah, I like I sort of, oh, I don't think I've actually said, but you know, one of the reasons for going into business is because I was sick of doing all of the hard yards to make somebody else rich and still coming home with the same pay mm-hmm. every day. So I think, you know, you can own a business and I can be in charge of how much money I make and how hard I want to work. Um, I felt like that. So, mm. so, yeah, I think that will be me. I'll just keep going.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like you'll be just as busy going into the future as you as you have been to date. And I think so. <laughs> you, you also mentioned there, you know, not only your charitable work, but also your governance work. And it, what was it about perhaps getting into governance or being a director? What was it about that that appealed to you? Some of it's around influencing change. Mm.
1: Uh, what I have realized is that I do bring to the table quite a different lens that a lot of people don't have. And so just getting other people to think differently and to strive for better. Uh, I don't like to sit on my laurels and go, yep, cool, we're doing a great job. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. I'm like, cool, let, let's do, we're doing a great job. What else can we be can doing? How else can we be better? Um, you know, and so that's kind of what I like about being on boards and in governance and um, some of the charity, um, charitable work that I do is just seeing what, what what could be and exploring that and pushing boundaries. I think sometimes our boards, can be a little bit just tick box and let's just keep doing the same things. Whereas I like to challenge in the most lovingest way. <laughs> I try to anyway, in the most lovingest way. Um, and just sort of, yeah, say, hey, look, how can we be even better than what we already are? How can we make a bigger impact, a better impact? How can we, you know, do better for the statistics, particularly for our Maori and Pacifica people? So that's kind of, I guess, what got me into it and also giving back like I have been very lucky to have a lot of people who have invested time and effort into me to get me to where I am and so I do want to be able to give back Uh, and that's that's also part of my message is building sustainable businesses so that you are able to give back, you know, putting your oxygen mask on yourself first and making sure that you and your family and all those things that matter to you are taken care of. And then when you're in that position, being able to give back and help because when you've got your own oxygen mask on, you can help better. You know, you can, um, but if you're struggling to breathe yourself, then, you know, it's harder to give, you to other organisations or to charities. So, mm, yeah, I think it's just kind of, in our nature, usually as Māori and Pacific people, to want to help other people, and that's basically all I'm trying to do.
0: And I wanted to ask you know, I'm, I'm very conscious that there's still not all that, you know, the numbers of women on boards are still not all that high in New Zealand versus men, and particularly the number of Māori and Pacifica women. What do you think are some of the, the, the barriers to, uh, to women, and particularly to Māori and Pacifica women, taking on board roles? Uh, That depends on who you ask, what people will say. I have heard people say, oh, they're
1: just not putting their hands up. Well, I say that that's rubbish. (laughs) I think there's plenty of Māori and Pacifica women out there that want to help, that want to be part of boards. I don't know that the environments are the greatest and oh, you know, I've been on boards and I've bawled my eyes out and I felt like I haven't been heard and I felt like I get treated differently. I felt like I've been a tick box. (laughs) I'm like, I am so far from a tick box. It's not funny. Like, Mm. So I think it's the mindsets and I won't actually repeat it. I'll see how I can say this in a different way. But I was listening to a speaker not that long ago who basically said that some other people, Just need to get out of the effing way. (laughs) And this person was very specific about who he thought needed to get out of the way. And I thought, true right, actually. You know, I think that uh, there's still a bit of that kind of colonialism thinking that my way is the best way. And they don't really understand or know. And maybe they're a bit scared of what might be. And, you know, it is kind of threatening to... To think that the way you've been doing things isn't actually necessarily the best way going forward and change, you know, it's difficult for all of us. We all find change difficult. So I think we need to either just get some of those people out of the way or wait for them to die off or something. I don't know. But yeah, I think also it's hard, like I find it really hard on some of the, in some of the spaces that I'm in, not just on my boards, but just in governance or um, as a thought leader, it is difficult. You get challenged a lot more. And, you know, especially for women, we're trying to run families and businesses and juggle everything else. And we come at it from a place of love and wanting to help and then to be, you know, challenged like that and questioned way more than our peers can be quite uh, draining. And so you do have to have some thick skin sometimes in these uh, in these situations. And I think sometimes it probably puts women off. Mm. But I think mostly we're pretty strong. Um, I think we can put up with it. So it's just a matter of sometimes being offered the seat at the table. And, yeah, I've been really lucky that I've had some people who have really vouched for me, who have given me seats at the table. But then the other thing that I'm, I'm quite passionate about is if you can't sit at someone else's table, never mind that, just go create your own table. So, you know, then they'll want to come and sit at yours. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's because there's not a lack of people who want to. Mm. Just the people that are already sitting there aren't willing to give up their seats for for people that actually can probably bring something quite different. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Or maybe aren't willing to look wider or expand their mesh to to see what is actually you know, see the amazing talent that is out there outside of the people that they just know. Yeah, interesting. Totally. And yeah. one one last question, if I may. You've already yeah. uh, had some wonderful pieces of advice, I've got to say, for uh, for women already today as we've been speaking. But are there any particular pieces of career advice that you would have for other women?
1: Yeah, I think that if someone has afforded you opportunities, then it's good practice to afford opportunities to others. So like I sort of said before, I've had some really inspiring um, mentors. Um, Some of them have been women, some of them have been men, but I think, you know, if someone else is going to afford me an opportunity, how can I help to afford somebody else an opportunity too? How can I get somebody else's foot in the door? How can I mentor somebody else to help them out? <clears throat> so I think if you're in that position to be able to help somebody else, then please do that because that's that's going to totally help. Yeah, it's totally going to help. And then if you're starting off into your career, one of the things that I I kind of, think of of myself sometimes and how I was a little bit when I went into business was be okay to be naive. Like, I don't know that I was completely naive, but I didn't go in thinking I couldn't do this. Hmm. I went in going, damn straight, I'm going to do this. I don't know how yet, but I am going to do this. And so just really believing yourself and, and believing that the universe or God or whatever you believe in is going to help to form the pathway and open up the right doors for you to help you to be able to do whatever it is that you want to achieve. And so I think it's just get out of your own way. Stop talking yourself out of it. Just take that first step and then worry about the next one. But just do it, like Nike says, just do it because the world is our oyster and there's always going to be support from somewhere. Someone's going to help you out. You're going to learn so much. But if you don't take the risks, and go through those challenges. You're not gonna grow. So growth is on the other side of challenge. You wanna grow. check yourself in a challenging situation. You're gonna learn a whole lot. Um, you're gonna be a whole lot stronger for it. So, so yeah, so give a hand out to somebody else or hand up to someone else if you can and just go forward and do it. And yeah, if you can find a mentor, then find ones and people that have similar values to you, that can help you to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve.
0: Mm, wonderful advice. Lovely. Thank you, Wendy. Mm. And thank you so much for um, being so open and willing to tell your your story. And I'm sure that people listening are going to find it truly inspiring. So thank you very much. Really massively appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. Lovely. We'll look forward to staying in touch. And uh, And thanks again. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.